It's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, and this is Monster Mondays, presented to you by Film Seizure. And, as I say that, happy holidays from Monster Mondays and Film Seizure as well. We are going to talk about the 2015 horror comedy, Krampus. Uh, it's Michael Darty who uh, made this movie, and Darty has um, started out with short films like Seasons Greetings and Dead Time Stories before really kind of getting his foot in the door as a screenwriter. He was the co-writer on the X-Men sequel X2. He uh, was a writer on one of the Urban Legends sequels. And then uh, he also uh, got a co-writing credit for Superman Returns. So not exactly small films, if you ask me. But uh, in 2007, he made the Halloween anthology movie Trick or Treat, which we did cover on uh, Film Seizure. Uh, back in, uh, what was that? I guess Halloween of 2019, maybe it was. Uh, so that was uh, one movie that we uh, that we talked about. And um, that was a pretty big break for him. And he was, um, he had kind of done something like that with one of his short films. Uh, that's what Season's Greetings kind of rolled off of. Uh, but here, um, he took that. And then uh, got some more story credits for X-Men Apocalypse and the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, But he directed and wrote Godzilla King of Monsters, which is not... um, That's not a small thing to have been uh, tapped to do. But um, he also has a website that shows off some of his art as well. And there's some pretty funny stuff in there. Uh, It's very Tim Burton in the terms of like some of the um, design uh, aesthetics to it. But uh, and that's just if I could compare it to someone else, just kind of give you an idea of what he does. But uh, he's an all around interesting person. Uh, Now, Krampus is an Austro-Bavarian folklore creature. He's a half goat, half demon. Um, people believe Krampus goes uh, way back to pre-Christian Alpine traditions. So he's been around for a while. But later on, um, it, you know, it was one of those things that uh, as Christianity spread through Central Europe, uh, it was one of those things that uh, was a tradition that was hard for Christianity to kind of get rid of. So. Uh, they eventually incorporated the story of the Krampus into Christianity uh, for the region. And that's not uncommon for Christianity to have done that. Uh, When they got into the Norwegian and the uh, Norse areas, they were were needing to, the Christian uh, people that were there to kind of convert the uh, the Scandinavian peoples had to kind of take in some of the Norse mythology, um, in particular, uh, kind of say, well, Ragnarok is being kind of the same thing as our as the revelations that Christianity has. So, it's it's kind of interesting how uh, Christianity was very fluid for a long time in order to convert different groups of people and certainly that was the case so now Krampus is kind of known as the dark uh, counterpart and um, well traveling buddy of of Santa Claus uh, Saint Nick delivers toys to good boys Krampus uh, will punish the bad ones the bad kids so you know it's, it's the yin and yang if you will um, now 
Krampusnacht, which is a uh, night, I think it's normally Christmas Eve when they celebrate that. It's usually, it's in some way, shape, or form related and comes right before Christmas. But uh, that's still celebrated quite regularly to this day in many Central European areas. Now, this movie opens with this wonderful look inside the Mucho Mart, where people are tearing themselves apart and trampling employees as they rush in to get those savings all to the tune of it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Then, uh, after the credits, we meet the Ingalls, and uh, they come home to prepare for the other side of the family to arrive. Uh, the younger child, Max, he still believes in Santa and is urged on by his grandmother, who is an older German lady, to uh, make sure that he sends out his uh, letter to Santa and all of that. Well, the Ingalls are upper class, well put together, and so forth. Now, Sarah Ingle, who's Tony Collette in this movie, her sister and her family are pretty classless. Um, it's kind of like the Clark Griswold and Cousin Eddie kind of dynamic in the uh, National Lampoon's vacation movies. Um, and when they arrive and they have their holiday dinner together, it's just an absolute freaking nightmare. Max's cousin Stevie and her older and her sister rather, Jordan, kind of teases Max about him still believing in Santa. And they even snatched his letter to Santa to read it to the family, which um, says a lot of it kind of airs a lot of family dirty secrets really um and it, everybody kind of gets mad at max for some of the stuff that he writes in it or at least uh, are kind of taken aback by what he's written uh, max is embarrassed and um says he hates christmas because every year his cousins get worse and uh, his dad tom who's played by adam scott almost convinces him to mail the letter to santa but instead, Max tears it up and throws it out the window. Now, doing this calls the Krampus to come in the form of a terrible blizzard that uh, basically envelops the little uh, neighborhood or town that they live in. And um, suddenly, all these little snowmen start to show up in the yard that nobody has built. Um, so it also... Uh, knocks out the the power and all of this they, there's a, a mysterious bag of gifts that have a that has shown up on the front doorstep and uh, as the movie progresses the family members are basically picked off one by one in increasingly elaborate methods that involve some of the toys uh, that the Krampus leaves behind in many cases at least um, the grandma explains to everyone about the Krampus and how she once called for it when she lost faith and hope and the Christmas spirit. And the story that she tells is pretty grisly, where uh, the Krampus came and basically took everybody away in the town and left her as a, uh, as a living reminder of what it's like to lose hope and to lose the Christmas spirit. Uh, so with the numbers dwindling, uh, Grandma decides that she's going to face the Krampus one more time to help those that are left reach an abandoned snowplow to uh, try to get to help. Um, but in the end, everyone is eventually captured by the various creatures or the various things that, uh, that the Krampus has left behind. And this leaves Max as the only one, much like his grandmother. Uh, he's now left to be that uh, living reminder of what happens when you lose your Christmas Christmas spirit and uh, so the Krampus is more or less just dragging everyone to hell 
Uh, that's what he does. And, uh, and it's all because Max tore up his letter to, uh, to send to Santa. And Max does try uh, to apologize for his actions, to kind of reverse everything. He says that he knows that the Krampus uh, is the only one who can fix this. And uh, at first, it seems like the Krampus is going for it. But then he ends up dropping Max into uh, this gaping hole in the ground into hell uh, like he did the rest of his family. However, the next morning, Max awakens and he sees that, well, everything seems pretty normal. Everybody is uh, downstairs opening presents. Everybody seems happy. Uh, He's happy that everything seems to be just a terrible nightmare, except he gets a present that is this little bauble that uh, uh, that that is left by the Krampus that has his name, you know, that has the Krampus's name on it, and he realizes something's not quite right. And as he realizes that, his mother realizes it, his father realizes it, the people, uh, the other side of the family starts to one by one realize that everything is not normal. In fact, uh, they are now trapped inside a house in a snow globe that is in the Krampus's workshop with uh, hundreds of other snow globes uh, that all have the basic same situation going on there. So um, you can make some various uh, judgments there that maybe uh, Max and his family are either in a purgatory type of situation or they are in a uh, like a hellscape. Um, I personally just think that they are uh, in some sort of purgatory. I think every day is going to be Christmas for now on. Which doesn't sound terrible. It doesn't sound great either, though. Uh, so let's get to my three likes. First, uh, I really love the simplistic dynamic of the different sides of the family. Uh, David Koechner's, uh Uncle Howard is just a rude, crude person. And he's purposely making his son fat and dull to make him a massive football player. His daughters, Stevie and Jordan, are nasty little bitches. And it's implied that he always wished that they were sons instead of daughters. Um, And they're also wrestlers. So, you know, he treats them like boys, uh, even though they are girls. But they're just nasty, kind of bullyish Uh, little brats basically Um, you just want to root for these people to get what's coming to them because they're just so terrible Uh, but granted the Ingles aren't too much better they're a little stuck up and a little too polite to Max still believing in Santa which may or may not have led to him not really having many friends it's also implied in his letter to Santa that uh, he really misses uh, hanging out with his sister because he doesn't have that many friends and of course his sister's getting more grown up and she's wanting to have dates with boys and uh, she's just not as close to Max as they once were so it's a trope that is often used in in holiday movies where you have the the terrible other side of the family that drives you nuts that are uh, crude they're completely opposite of you but here uh, it actually does play uh, to its full potential and in the end, they have to start working together and they, they start proving things to each other, too. That's kind of interesting as well. Second, uh, I love the idea that the Krampus has isolated this little town or neighborhood. Uh, you know, there's 
he's kind of shrouded this little place in a blizzard and is kind of going around wiping everybody out under the cover of the blizzard and of the darkness. Uh, the feel of the abandoned streets and homes becomes almost Twilight Zone-like in feel. Uh, there are just tons of things in the dark and snowy night that can attack the various characters. Get more on that here in just a moment. And when everyone barricades themselves into the house, the movie shifts to more of a, uh, a home invasion type of movie at that point. So it's, uh, I really like the idea of the, the winter horror, which you don't often see too, too much. Uh, usually the horror is uh, either summer-based or uh, autumn particularly around Halloween. But this one's a Christmas horror, which is always nice to see. But the way that the Krampus kind of traps everybody uh, in this uh, blizzard and, and the darkness of just the cloud cover and the swirling winds and the swirling snow, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Now, number three, uh, I really like the various ways people are captured by the Krampus. Um, so it's a combination of little toys that come to life or little Christmas-like things that come to life or it's uh, it's various other things. So let's kind of run down the list. Uh, there's a little monster inside of a jack-in-the-box. There's a, a snow worm thing that sucks people up under the snow and takes them away. Uh, gingerbread men come to life and uh, acts as a lure to the uh, to the fat little boy on the on the uh, classless side of the family uh, Howard's daughters are tricked by something that imitates their cousin Beth's voice and then uh, one of them ends up getting swallowed by uh, like a giant version of the clown that lives in the jack-in-the-box uh, there's a, some sort of like demon Christmas tree topper thing I think it's supposed to be something like a fairy like what a like a what a real fairy in folklore is like a uh, sharp teeth uh, almost um, a demonic type of creature there's uh, robot stabby guys there's <laughs> later there's more gingerbread men and they end up uh, getting uh, caught on fire and they are uh, you know attacking uh, Uncle Howard there are demon teddy, teddy bears horned elves which are kind of like the uh, the the workers of Krampus, kind of like how Santa Claus has his elves. Uh, Krampus has these horned, uh, demonic type of elves. And then Krampus himself, who's this amazingly huge goat creature. And so when he comes down the chimney to inflict whatever he's going to inflict on the people inside that house, he's so massive, he actually uh, breaks the chimney as he comes down. So on his arrival, you start seeing a line, like a crack forming in the, uh, in the chimney itself. And it's really, really cool. Uh, and then the creature himself, while half goat, half demon, sure, he kind of looks like a really, really old man, uh, almost way, um, sometimes like Jack Frost is uh, depicted in art. Uh, he's got this really long beard. He's got uh, sunken eyes, uh, really long fingernails, stuff like that. So it's just a cool monster. I like that they don't use him too constantly, and they really kind of hold off on you seeing everything about him until he enters into the Ingalls' house. And um, 
you know, comes in through the chimney. You see a little animated version of him in Grandma Ingalls' uh, story about what she did when she summoned the, the Krampus as a little curl. But um, they, they really do kind of save that, that image uh, for the right moment. And that's when he kind of comes out of the, the chimney or the fireplace, rather. So that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. Don't forget to check out new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday and a new installment of Monster Mondays each Monday on FilmSeizure.com as well as places where fine podcasts are found like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Additionally, hop on over to Facebook and Twitter to follow us by just searching for Film Seizure. Uh, you can also check out new posts at my website, bmovieanima.com, each and every Friday. So, until next week, stay spooky and have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.